Hello, everyone in the podcast world. It is Father Christian here at a priest and a rabbi podcast. Uh, I am an Episcopal priest over at St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, Florida. Uh, and I take on this podcast with my partner in faithful arms. It is the rabbi Matthew Durbin from Temple Beth Chaim in Stewart, Florida. Um, we are experiencing a time of Zoom filters on our faces right now. So I'm now looking at the rabbi with a mask on and a top hat. Uh, hey, hey, buddy. Um, today is all about us taking off our masks and repenting before God on this podcast. So it uh, I love sense. it. I love it. It only makes sense that we start off with these filters on our faces because even our producer, Evan, has, has stuff on his face. This time of repentance is when we take off the mask and say, God, let us show you our worst. Let us be humble enough to show it. Let us have the courage to actually step up and say, I need change. Uh, and so we'll talk about Lent. We'll talk about Yom Kippur. Uh, we'll talk about our seasons of repentance and the value and the blessing of repentance in our lives. Does that, does that sound good? Uh, sounds, sounds riveting. Sounds awesome. That sounds like riveting radio to me. All right, everyone. So as we uh, sign off and get ready for this, make sure you go to our Facebook page as we are now dropping our priest and rabbi joke of the day. Every Monday, I have a priest and rabbi joke of the day, and this one will relate to Lent and Yom Kippur. That's all coming up. All right. And our Yiddish word of the day is. Spiel. Watch. Huh? Spiel. Spiel. Yeah, I just gave you my spiel on repentance. That is our Yiddish word of the day. All right, everyone, let's get ready to roll. Subscribe to the podcast, um, and we love you. A priest. A rabbi, a priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. The opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted overallowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Beit Hayam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, Grab your Bible or Torah and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. Oh, good morning, everyone out there in Stewart, Florida, and from the podcast world. This is Father Christian Anderson from St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, Florida. And I am next to the most dapper Don you have ever met. It is the most gorgeous rabbi this side of the Jordan River. It is Rabbi Matthew Durbert from Temple Bechayim, also here in Stewart, Florida. Uh, good morning, my friend. Another episode, another day, uh, another time of repentance. Good morning, Father Father Hamblerdler. Yes, if you're all going to be watching our video vlog later on, you'll see that we are playing with our video filters today. So I am the Hamburglar, and Rabbi Durbin today is just a saint. He just has a halo. Well, I, I couldn't find I couldn't find the, the, the cat filter to make me a cat. Uh, so this is the best thing that's going to have to do. Well, since we're a priest and a rabbi, we're going to be talking about Lent and Yom Kippur today. Uh, we're getting into what, what makes a priest and what makes a rabbi, what makes a Jew, what makes a Christian. So let me just start right here with that halo over your head. 
when we see halos in Christianity, we think saint. And we believe in it. And as Anglicans, we believe in the communion of saints, both living and those who have moved on to the heavenly kingdom. Where is the Reformed Judaic view on saints or angels? Well, angels is very big. I mean, we've had that, obviously, you know, you guys have the same tradition we do, right? Especially with with our Torah, the Bible, you know, angels are present all, all over the place, right? Uh, we, we, we have it in Jewish tradition regarding what we call Midrash, the stories the rabbis created to fill in the biblical gaps. There are angels, right? Why was uh, why was humanity created? The angels to do the work of of, of humanity. You know, there's there, there's a lot of stuff with angels. However, Judaically, uh, we don't really subscribe to you know sainthood and saints because we feel that the work that we do on Earth um, is meritorious in and of itself. So therefore, it doesn't elevate us to any other status uh, in what we call the olam haba in the world to come. Uh, that we are all made equal, that, that no status is going to make us higher or saintly. We don't really believe in saints, but we do believe in angels. Well, what about the idea that if, you know, Rabbi Durbin is this incredible saint-like person here on earth, and then Rabbi Durbin passes on to the next, you know, chapter of this existence we have, and then people start feeling like Rabbi Durbin is still present, and that some miracles have happened when they say, Rabbi Durbin, are you still present? And all of a sudden some kid gets healed and something else happens. And so they start thinking, maybe Rabbi, you're not elevated. It's just that God still has, you're using you as this, this channel. Uh, is there anything like that where, uh, no. Once a person's gone, they gone. Okay, and then for our listeners again, give us the breakdown on the afterlife. Oh my goodness. On the afterlife. Okay. Is there afterlife? So, you know, obviously, look, with, with, with every religious denomination, with every religious faith, you're going to have a variant, uh, you know, a variant, uh, you know, understanding of it. Um, the afterlife itself, as we call it, the olam haba, um, the world to come, is this understanding, and it comes out of largely Kabbalistic literature. Uh, for those that may not be familiar, Kabbalistic literature is the mystical aspect behind Judaism. Madonna. Uh, Sorry? What Madonna was into. Sure. Probably not the reference you wanted. Sure. Um, um, yes, Madonna was very big in the Kabbalah Center that, you know, I know that she had uh, had given a lot of money in London, certainly, uh, and around the world. Um, but the understanding is that when we are born, we are given both a body and a soul, right? So out of utero, we are given a body, the shell to which we occupy. Um, and when we take our breath of oxygen, so to speak, we're out of utero, God endows us with a soul. Now, when we pass uh, and we pass away, there is this, this mystical understanding that our body is a mere shell to which we occupy in this world. And then when we pass, our soul gets elevated and our soul is united with God kind of the greatest gift that we're given. So the soul goes back to God. Um, Does the Torah say this? Uh, no, this is, this is more uh, uh, Kabbalistic. Okay, so, so, for, so scripturally speaking, there's not really any support of that in Hebrew scripture? Okay, well, that's, I think, a sign that we'll just keep on moving. I think Evan Nine's computer is talking to us. All right, well, uh, Evan Nine's our producer, everyone. All right, guys, so check it out. Um, so today, 
uh, we are going to be talking about, we're in the season, well, at least, okay, the Christian religion right now, we're in a season of, well, okay, hold up, the Anglican denomination and Catholics and Lutherans and Methodists, uh, African and Methodist Episcopals are, are in a season of Lent right now. So this is a season of repentance. Uh, we just had Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is going to take us on a 40-day journey to get us to Easter. Uh, but we do practice fasting and repentance. And so Rabbi and I today are going to be talking about the similarities and differences um, in these two seasons or uh, of Yom Kippur, which is a day. Uh, but then there's a whole season, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that leads into that. And then we also have Lent, which is the season leads into Easter. There's uh, atonement, there's talk of repentance, there's talk of sin, uh, judgment. And that, that we can see you can, might be able to compare some of this to Ramadan as well, but we don't have an imam to speak well for that. So we would just be just speaking out of our you know what. Um, so the, you know, we, we're going to jump into this today. And I think it's going to lead us to a place where we we'll also just reflect on repentance and the necessity of repentance as human beings, um, as believers in God but also just to cleanse the palate for us to live healthy psychological lives and have healthy relationships. Because uh, if the Bible ain't making you a healthier person, then you might be reading the wrong uh, Bible. So, all right, um, Rabbi, um, so, so, so there, I was looking on USA Today and there was a time, I think it was in 2006, when actually Ramadan and Yom Kippur hit the same lunar cycle and were lined up so it was like this similarity and i don't know if there's ever been a time where you have the triad where you have all these kind of seasons of atonement that happen around the same time so all three i think there was i remember that at one point all three abrahamic religions were in the season of atonement um but but let's let's start with yom kippur so yom kippur is a day of atonement there's a day of fasting right off the bat it sounds a little bit similar to what we're doing at lent so can you tell us break it down for us yeah, so let, 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 look, Yom Kippur itself, Yom in Hebrew means day, right? Kippur um, is this is this is this understanding a day of atonement, day of um, day of almost day of reckoning in some way. But I think in order to understand the in order to understand the themes and the uh, understanding of Yom Kippur, I think we need to take it back a little bit further. So um, just as, as a point of reference, and I think we've mentioned this before, right, in a Jewish understanding, our days, our, our festivals, our time itself um, is, is uh, broken into a lunar calendar, not a solar one. So what does that mean, right? You guys have your days when the sun rises to when the sun sets. Ours is based on a lunar calendar, so therefore when the evening comes, it is a new day for us. So, you know, to go to Yom Kippur as a day of, of reflection, a day of great atonement, we have to go back to uh, the Hebrew month just preceding uh, Yom Kippur. And that is um, the Hebrew month of Elul. Uh, Elul itself is an acronym. Um, and the acronym itself is Ani Lododi Vidodi Li, which comes out of Psalms. Um, uh, which is the understanding that I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me, kind of this love relationship between God and the Jewish people, um, you know, this, this love relationship. So what our tradition teaches us and, and really informs us is that when the month of Elul comes in, it is a time for us of great introspection, right? We have 30 days, 30 days of this month to really look at our actions that we've done over the course of the last year. 
and actually, interestingly enough, were actually supposed to blow the shofar every day during those 30-day periods, right? As a sign of, you know, almost like an alarm. It's a sign of wake up. It's a sign of uh, resonation within deep within the recesses of our body. But it is a time for us to really be aware. So we have this 30-day period leading up to what we call the first of Tishrei. And Tishrei or Tishri uh, is the first, which is actually the seventh Hebrew month, but it is uh, the first will always be Rosh Hashanah. And of course, our Torah uh, tells us and teaches us that 10 days later on the 10th of Tishrei will always be Yom Kippur. So we're talking that on Rosh Hashanah, we really look at who and what we are given those 30 days and that we have a what we call the 10 days of repentance, those 10 days um, in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, where we're really supposed to make amends with um, three very separate entities, both overtly and inadvertently, if we have harmed in any way. They are. And, and, and I'll get into that in just one sec. And then, of course, on the 10th of Tishrei is Yom Kippur. And then we're actually told in our liturgy, um, at the end of our service, which happens in the evening or close to the evening, that the gates of repentance are slowly beginning to close, which means that you have had plenty of time to reconcile with yourself the challenges that persisted over the course of the last year. So you asked in terms of the three entities. So on, 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 on our season of forgiveness, we are told that if we have overtly or inadvertently harmed or hurt others in the past, that we are told to seek forgiveness. So uh -huh. that's others. Uh -huh. The other is that we are told to ask forgiveness from God okay. for any misstep or misdeed. Maybe I took God's name in vain over the last year. Maybe I took God for granted. Maybe I didn't give enough to God, whatever it may be, that we're told to, to really ask God for forgiveness. Can I, can I guess the third one? Sure. Your dog. No, yourself. yourself. So absolutely. And the third is you know, the, the expectations and the challenges that we put upon ourselves. Um, as, I, as I teach our children, uh, look, two out of three are, are relatively forgiving people. Uh, and those are perhaps others to whom we've harmed in God the hardest one to ask forgiveness is from ourselves because mm -hmm. I think it, it actually forces us to look at what we've done or who we are and what we want to be. And I think that that is the message really of Yom Kippur and of the High Holy Days. And just to say that the High Holy Days have a very special name. They are called the Yamim Ba'im, the days of awe, the days of inspiration, the days in which we really look at who and what we are and what we wish and desire to be. So it's kind of that longing to improve and to be better. And okay, now everything you're saying is through a reform context. Now, is there- No, no, no. Everything I'm saying is through a, 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 a traditional Judaic lens. Okay, so if we had an Orthodox guy on here or a conservative rabbi, they would be, they'd be right with you right now. Yep, absolutely. Okay, cool. Because- I'm going to surprise you right now. We do. They're coming in right now. An Orthodox rep. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay. So that's cool. I mean, I, 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 this is great. And when you said, when you talk to your daughters about this, is this something that you think happens in a lot of Jewish households or is it because you're a rabbi? So you like to talk about this stuff? I mean, I think I'd love to, I'd love to be able to, to, you know, to, to have this impression that everyone engages in conversation. I don't think it happens. 
I think that the challenges are that maybe we may be um, ill-informed, maybe we don't have all the resources. I think generally for most Jews, if not for all Jews, I think the major themes of Yom Kippur and the season of forgiveness is pretty much uh, universal. I think we all understand it. I think the ways in which we practice it or observe it may be, may be a little bit different, sure. right? Yeah, so, yeah. there's a degree of repentance is important. It's integral to your, your, your growth as a Jew. Yes, so even if we look at some of the challenges or some of the stuff that we are told not to do on Yom Kippur, for example, right? On Yom Kippur, we are told not to wear leather, for example, so we don't wear leather shoes, right? Do all reform or conservative Jews, do they just wear canvas shoes on, on Yom Kippur? No, um, you know, but it's, it, it's a mindset. And, and the that reason- biblical why, or traditional, what you just said? That, so this no. would be traditional, right? And because why? Because it's a luxury to wear leather shoes? Because it's a luxury, it is, it's comfortable, right? You wear leather shoes, it's comfortable. And in some way, it is almost like self-flagellation where we are to really understand and to see um, you know, the challenges that, that, that arise in our midst, that, that with comfort, we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to see the struggles or the challenges that we're, we're, we're faced with. That right? is, that is a key component right there. What you just said, we got to circle back to that. That, that oh, absolutely. Look, the, the other tradition is to wear what we call, um, on Yom Kippur, a kittel, uh, for those that may not be familiar, familiar with a kittel, it is just a white gown, right? The white gown that we wear, traditionally men wear them when they get married. Um, traditionally, we are buried in them, um, and we wear them on Yom Kippur. They're white, obviously, as a sign of purity that we are. We are trying to put ourselves out before God in some way, in in some level of purity, or that I am, I am, I am seeking God's forgiveness and apologetic to God uh, and others, and of course myself. Um, and in that regard, you know, I present my whole being to you. That's really interesting, yeah, because in the Christian faith, a white gown usually means a, a sign of our baptism. And so that's what you wear as your baptism. And then every time I wear at church and others put on the white L, it is a sign of our baptism. The, now for repentance and during a time of Lent, um, some Christians will practice wearing a black cassock. Now, usually you just see clergy doing that, but that's like a black gown. And so I, on Ash Wednesday, I wore a black gown all day. So it's a sign of humility, a sign of repentance, why you see priests would be wearing black vestments. Um, it's, it's, it's humility. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's repentance, really. And so I think, I think I, you just said it right there in and of itself, right? You said the word humility. And I think, I think in some way, and in some semblance, I think we need to go back really to understand the word sin, transgression, misstep, misdeed, whatever it may be, and the word humility, because that, that is the general theme uh, for us as Jews, especially on Rosh Hashanah and most certainly on Yom Kippur. It's about humility. It's about recognizing our own limitations, our own restrictions, really recognizing who and what we are, that we are, we are not above and beyond everything else, that there is there is God that is the perfect entity, that we are not perfect beings, that we are prone to sin, we are prone to making mistake, but that we have to learn from it. You know, one of the major themes, for example, uh, on Yom Kippur is about forgiveness, right? And, and, and God makes it clear that if I have, let's just say for the sake of argument, that I've raised my voice with Father Anderson a thousand times over the course of this year, and next year, for example, perhaps I've raised my voice expressively, not a thousand, but 900 times against you, 
Well, God says, you know what? You've changed. You've changed because you have tried in some way. Now, if I come back a year later and I yelled at you a thousand times and next year it is a thousand times, I hadn't changed. And God effectively says, your prayers are meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. You haven't even attempted to try and change or alter your own behavior. Even if it is in small measure, there has to be some accountability and responsibility that is put on you know, the ownership of yourself. And this gets to what is the meaning of repentance. So I'm not sure in the, in the Hebrew translation, but in the Greek translation is, is to change one's mind, um, to make a shift. So when John the Baptist, a good old Jew, comes out of the wilderness and he's, for us, the, the final prophet who is guiding towards Jesus, the Messiah, he's asking people to repent um, and, and he's preparing the way of the Lord, as it says in Isaiah, that in order for you to be ready for the Messiah, you have to change the way you think and act. And like to your point, if you, you, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Great. Good job. But if your life hasn't changed and you are not prepared to leave behind old behaviors, to leave behind selfishness, to stop living just for yourself and, and, not, and not make a shift and start living for God and for others, your Christianity is going to be surface. It's going to be skim milk. It's not going to get you far as in your growth and development with God. So this repentance, and, and I think this episode is really going to, we're going to keep on coming back to this, how important it is for us as people of faith to be following you know, our, our, our God, that if we do not take time to make these, these, these continual seasons that happen throughout the year, and as you and I are both come from liturgical traditions, we have the benefit of these liturgical seasons that keep on bringing us back. We never, so we never get full of it and be like, oh, we just got it made. No, we have to have these seasons of sort of like a spring cleaning of going through our soul and see where have we missed the mark. Have we really progressed? Am I, I like, I like that visual you give. Last year, you, um, you, you, you chewed me out a thousand times. So this year you chewed me out 900 times. Well, you know, Matthew Durbin's getting better. You know, he's finding more patience, more grace. And even though Father Christian keeps on driving them nuts, he's done it a hundred less times. Um, so do you find it and, uh, um, it, it, that I want to just touch on this before we, we go to break. How important, or no, do you find it difficult to preach or teach about repentance uh, as a rabbi? That sometimes there is, you can feel from the people you're speaking to, whether it's the kids, whether it's the adults, whether it's from the pulpit, that it might get people a little nervous when you mention the word repent. I think, I think, I, you know, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's a major theme throughout our holidays and especially our high holy days of, of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Um, so in that regard, no, I mean, it, it, it's a general theme to which I go back to every single year, try and take a, 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 a different angle um, towards it. I think, I think you asked an interesting question in terms of, you know, from a Judaic perspective, what is the terminology that we use for the word repentance, right? Or the word sin. Um, and there are many words in Hebrew that we use, but one of the words that keeps recurring constantly is this word teshuvah, and teshuvah means to turn, right? It also means to repent, but it also means to turn, right? Almost like turning the page of a book, right, in some way that we can change our behavior, that we're returning, right? Teshuvah also means to return. It's returning back to our values, returning back to our commitment, to our devotion, to our uh, expression uh, uh, to God uh, and to and to ourselves. 
So, so I think in that regard, it's not a loaded term. In Christianity, in some Christian circles, when they say repent, people, I think, have PTSD from being part of denominations that were judgmental about you're, you're just a bad human being. Um, you, do you encounter that at all in, in the Judaic tradition where people being like, oh, here comes Rabbi again with his fire and brimstone? Sure. I, I think, look, in some way, I think it's also about finding, finding that, that connection that people can connect with, right? So when I gave... You know, this year, for example, I gave I gave I gave a sermon on uh, on the High Holy Days of humility, right? Recognizing my own humility um, and and the need to really be aware um, of, of 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 others in our midst, right? Whether it be you know a mask issue of you know should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? Right? Is it political? Shouldn't be political? Doesn't need to be politicized. It's about it's about you know it's about the sacred value that we have as we call the kuach nefesh. Of to save a life. If I have the opportunity and the ability to safeguard myself and others, that is one of the most important Jewish values that we share, which is to save a life. So I gave this sermon on the fact that, yeah, the end of June, early July, I contracted COVID-19, and it made me hyper aware of those to whom I came into contact with and felt this sense that I needed to inform others to safeguard themselves. Um, and it actually recognized my own humility and being able to actually see that in a, uh, in a very powerful context. So in that regard, yeah, sure, I gave a sermon on it. I hope that people heard the message, which was it is about humility. That, 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 that notion of humility is never going to go away. So I think it's, 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 I don't think as Jews we shy away or we get, you know, uh, awkward in some way um, with the term because we're so ingrained with it. I mean, our liturgy says on Rosh Hashanah and certainly Yom Kippur that there are three, um, there are three seeming um, um, acts that we can do that will um, uh, eliminate God's severe decree. And those are um, repentance, teshuvah, to return back. It is um, prayer, and it is charity. Or being righteous, gotcha. Right, no, and yeah, those good. three in tandem together will annul God's severe decree. Right, we're told also in our tradition that we are to be written in the book of life, or we might be written to the book of death. Um, I want to hold off on that book of death because I think that's a separate issue and a separate um, topic in and of itself. Yeah, you're on a tear this morning. I think the rabbi meter right now is at 24 minutes and priest is at two. This is great. Right. I mean, we haven't heard you speak in so long. The ultimate, the ultimate goal for us as Jews, especially on Yom Kippur, is that as our service ends with a service that we call in the Elah, our concluding service of Yom Kippur, is that maybe we, may we be sealed in the Book of Life. So, right? so, so that Book of Life is is suggesting eternal life. Yes. You heard it here first. Jews believe in eternal life. They believe in an afterlife. Oh, we believe in an afterlife. Absolutely. We don't believe in reincarnation. Yeah, well, neither do Christians. Glad we we are. Wait a minute. So, 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 we need to do a whole episode just on Jews in the afterlife. We did this way back in the day, but you're changing your story now. So there is afterlife. There is with Jews. No, Don't be no, checking your email right now. I see you checking your email. Listen, we're going to leave you hanging because we got to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this, but we're also going to talk about that. I think that during your talk of humility, you mentioned the word about five times and you did it in an American accent. You have lost your Canadian spirit, my friend. There's no boots anymore. You are now saying about. So ladies and gentlemen, a priest and a rabbi are, we've seen the, 
the rabbi take a turn. He's taking a turn. He's repented of his Canadian ways and now becoming fully American. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come back with act two of talking about Lent, talking about repentance, talking about Yom Kippur. Stick around. We can't wait to see you. You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And and I want to uh, let you know that I have uh, started a uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to a priest and a rabbi right here in 14th DAE. I'm in Spirit. My name is Father Christian from St. Mary's Episcopal Church. 
what I say does not reflect St. Mary's Episcopal Church and what I say is really not that important anyhow. Uh, but next to me is a man who speaks very important things. It is Rabbi Matthew Derber from Temple Beth Hayam. He is the head chief over there. And today we are talking about Lent and we are talking about uh, uh, Yom Kippur. We're talking about seasons of repentance and why this is so important for us people of faith. Sometimes um, it seems more from a, maybe a Christian context because Rabbi's not agreeing with me on this one, but I find that some people of faith at times, at least in the Christian world, when they hear repent, depending on their history that they've had denominationally, depending on the type of preaching and teaching they heard, um, can get real queasy on this idea of repentance because it's been used as a, as a bit of a weapon and a, 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 a tool of demeaning them. And what I wanna focus on here is that that repentance is just so darn important and fruitful. It is a blessing to repent because it helps us to humble ourselves, which is always good. It helps us to reflect on ourselves and it helps us to wanna to be better human beings, to be better children of God. And a child of God is selfless, is compassionate, is patient, is life-giving. Um, and, and, and gives life to others. So when we don't find ourselves doing that, um, sometimes we just get, as you said before, Rabbi, you said we get so comfortable in our lifestyle and so comfortable with the comforts of our world, we lose sight of really uh, uh, the, the, the brokenness of our own self and the brokenness of others because they've just been hidden. And so we need to reflect. And so Lent and Yom Kippur and the month leading up to Yom Kippur, and I would assume Ramadan, allows believers to say, okay, let me take a step back and let me maybe do some discipline so I can say, have I been a jerk? Have I been selfish? Have I not- But I think that's topic? just it, right? Like, especially Judaically in the understanding that, look, if I said something that, that, that offended you, at least I'm aware of it, right? Maybe I, maybe I said something, maybe I did something, but I am aware, right? But Jewishly, we also say for those sins or those actions to which you committed over the course of the year that you are aware of and those to which you are unaware and I think the unawareness is really difficult right we may have a bad day I may snap at you right you may take great offense I don't see anything wrong with it because I may just come out with a comment uh you know whatever um and not think too deeply into it but the you know I think that the message is words have value words have meaning and if they may be taken in a in a in a, a different way that we're unaware of we need to be made aware that i have harmed you in some way so i think you know the awareness piece is really big well sometimes guess, too we're just not aware of how self-involved we are we're just not and people don't you know maybe call you on it and sometimes it takes a a season where it just hits you and you're like man, I, I'm not proud of some of the things of who, who I am. You don't have to like beat yourself up but say, you know, I, I don't spend enough time with God. And, and I think, man, I, I think I'm a little materialistic or whatever it may be. And then you normally wouldn't just catch that just because you're a busy parent or you're just got, you run a business and you've got a lot of things going on. So our traditions say, hold up, pump the brakes, find some quiet time, um, get involved with the scripture, get involved with prayer, get involved with worship. And I think as people of faith, we would say that God is going to help you reveal that, that you're going to, it's going to, and you have to hit a bit of, uh, I think there's a lot of similarities between 12 step and our walk as people of faith and, and 12 step programs don't work until you hit rock bottom and you have to get at a place where you're willing to, to, to reflect on how am I part of the problem? And as Christians and as people of faith, um, we have to be, be able to ask that question. Am I part of the problem of the brokenness? in our world mm. and what can I do and how can I learn to be now uh, part of the healing, part of the love, part of the compassion 
through the Christian walk is humbling ourselves before Christ and allowing Christ to overtake us. Um, but it, but you have to get let go of yourself. So let me ask you this: as a rabbi, is Christianity? We talk a lot about this losing less. Lord, let there be less of me and more of you. Let the 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 Christ take over me, and so I can leave behind my selfishness, the original sin. Um, is there any kind of process or thought process like that? That kind of idea of less of me, God, and more of you. Because me, I'm too selfish and materialistic and do things that I'm not really proud of. But with you and, and then the, I'm finding more of you in my life, the spirit, your spirit just takes over me and makes me a better human being to serve others and love others and love you. You know, I think I think in, in, in a Judaic context, I mean, I think that there is some of that. I think the overarching theme, too, is that recognition that you know, my actions or deeds may have fallen short over the course of the year so that I'm asking God to forgive me of those missteps and misdeeds. Um, I, I, I think that there is a lot of similarity. Um, I guess just as a, a non sequitur here, just to kind of uh, put, the, put, the, put the, turn the heat on you. Um, so we get to Lent for 40 days. Is this the only time throughout the course of the year that you really do look at yourselves of the perhaps transgressions or missteps or misdeeds that you've done? Or is it just the time at which we're more hyper-focused on it? What, I mean, like, like us, right? We have 30 days of the month of Elul. We have Rosh Hashanah. We have Yom Kippur, another 10 days. So really we're saying 40 days that we have the ability to introspectively look at who and what we are. Is, is that the only time throughout the course of the year for you? For intentional focus of repentance and humility and fasting. Um, the two biggest fast days do appear during Lent. So Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, those are big fast days um, for the church all should be um, fasting. Now, how we interpret fasting can change per denomination or per church. Uh, but yes, so you can maybe equate a little bit to Advent. Advent is the time leading up to Christmas. That's more of anticipation, though. But there is some deep reflection there to prepare to kind of cleanse your heart to be really ready for the, for the birth of Jesus. Um, but yeah, Lent is, is the go-to one. Now, to your point, which you said before, if we're studying scripture every Sunday and studying scripture every day, uh, it's going to lead us to to repent. I mean, we have the confession in our liturgy and that confession is said at morning prayer. That confession is said in evening prayer. That confession is said every Sunday. So Sunday, we say it as a community. We confess our sins in front of one another and we, we receive the absolution that we get uh, through Jesus. So that is a big part of it. Uh, we, we, we can't give up this idea of awareness of our sins and this confession and repenting. Um, but it's key. I love it in the liturgy, and it's more the old school liturgy. Uh, we we dropped it in the new stuff, but the old stuff said, "With those who with with hearty repentance and true, I think it's true true repentance and hearty or true will. It's like that you 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 have to really do you really believe in this confession? Are you really truly confessing your sins? Uh, because you could just say the prayer, right? You could just say it, but do you really are you really reflecting on where you've missed the mark? that I have not loved you with my whole heart, that I have not loved my neighbors as myself, that I'm truly sorry and I heartily repent. I repented, God. I want to shift from that. You know, I was impatient with my wife, right? I was a jerk in traffic and I don't want to always be a jerk in traffic. So I'm going to repent. I'm going to shift that. So um, are, there, are, there, are there liturgical or textual 
references that as an Episcopal church that you go back to? Um, you know, I know as Jews, look, the, the core text that we use about repentance is the book of Jonah, uh, which we read on Yom Kippur afternoon, because uh, the message is very clear. Um, are there are there any textual stuff that you guys go through? Do you use the book of Jonah during this season? Jonah, uh, no, we actually use Jonah. The, Jonah appeared just recently, um, and that's what's called ordinary time, and that's right before Lent. So we, that, that did come up. What we actually study is that, so the, the, the text that leads us on Ash Wednesday is the reading from Joel, below the Shafor. So that, that opening bit of just blow the trumpet, the day of repentance has come. Uh, and, uh, and so, so that is our, that's our, that's our leadoff hit that happens. Um, we're following the 40 days of Jesus when he is, when he gets baptized, he is led out into the desert and he's tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and so that, that is a piece of scripture. Now, all of our scripture, um, we do have various prophets that we're following during this time. We're our call to repentance. Um, and, um, but we as a church, St. Mary's Episcopal Church, we're trying something different this year. So the Sermon on the Mount is the Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. Matthew, like Matthew Durbin, um, the similarities there. He was a good Jew. Um, so we're following Jesus' greatest sermon of how we can become a more like, uh, like him. Uh, and so this Sunday, we'll be studying the Beatitudes. And so blessed are the peacemakers. How do you become a peacemaker in a very divisive culture? Right? Blessed are the meek. Right? How, where, where's your meekness? How's your humility? Well, we have not seen any kind of large acts of humility over the last, let's say, in our politics in a long time. Humility is not really rewarded. Uh, so how do we as Christians be the models of that? Well, we have to first look at our own pride, our own arrogance. Um, so yeah, so the, the, these, 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 the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount are going to be our, our main drive. But that's more of a St. Mary's thing. That's not completely everywhere else. By the way, if, if there's people who, what is your scripture or what are your traditions that you reflect during this time, give us a call here at studio, 772-220-9788, 772-220-9788. And the rabbi will take all of your phone calls right now. Ask him everything and anything you want. Um, Okay, so Rabbi, what are you? So you don't start till June with this this walk of repentance. Um, have you ever had to, from the pulpit, use a personal story of? I know you mentioned the COVID, right? Um, but you realize, man, I uh, uh, has it ever evo evoked in you a time when you really need to repent and call someone and say, Liz, or someone ever done that to you, where they've called you and said? Hey, I'm, I'm in this time of repentance, and I just got to say I apologize. So um, I'm, I love the question. It's a great one. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And, thank and you, after brother. After this, I'll pose it to you as well. Um, when I was in rabbinical school, I, I attended rabbinical school, prepared to be a rabbi in, in London. Um, um, we did, uh, interesting enough, it was an interfaith conversation, is that at that time, still going on 50-some-odd years later, my, my, my rabbinical school had started a program many years ago um, called Jewish Christian Muslim Interfaith Dialogue. Um, happens for eight days uh, throughout the course of the year. Uh, people take eight days off of work and come together uh, in European, um, largely in Germany. Uh, and we do an eight-day conference um, on what does it mean, really what does it mean uh, to come together, whether in times of war or what, what have you, but Jews, Christians, and Muslims. Um, and, and there I, I met this wonderful colleague of mine and uh, just great person. We uh, were very friendly and this and the other. And I remember a year later, 
She had called me on the phone in between those 10 days of repentance, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And she had called and said, Matt, uh, I'm, I'm really, really sorry if I have harmed you or have offended you or have hurt you in any way. And I sloughed it off. I said, look, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. She said, you're not listening. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Do you forgive me? And again, at that moment, I, you know, I, I said, yeah, you know, I forgive you. Don't worry about it. You know, prepare for Yom Kippur, whatever. I, I hope it's a meaningful season. And then I spent, you know, days and weeks after, you know, unpacking it and thought to myself, the challenges that I faced, what I did was I minimized her experience. Oh, don't worry about it. Well, to her, it was a big deal, a really big deal. Um, and it made me really think of this is somebody who called me, recognized her own humility and her own inaction or transgression, and wanted to clear her mind and her chest off of whatever challenge. And I remember being really, I mean, and, and it wasn't overnight that I got this epiphany. It was, it was, it was years later where I remember I had thought to myself, how incredibly powerful for her to take the courage and the fortitude to call me and ask for my forgiveness. It, it, it made me really think. And even now, you know, you know, during the high holy days and certainly the, the month leading up to it, I really do take that moment to really look at, you know, who and what I am. And, you know, are there people that I have harmed in the past? Absolutely. I speak this freely from, you know, the pulpit. Uh, we have a, we have a service actually the, the, the last Shabbat before high holidays, when Shabbat comes out, we call it slichot, a service of forgiveness. And I say very publicly to my community, if I have harmed you or I have said something that have uh, offended you in any way, uh, please, I am, I am asking uh, for your forgiveness. I apologize. Now, granted, look, in some semblance, it's a blanket statement, whether I'm saying it to a congregation, um, but I think that whether it be a blanket statement or not, I think it's about what we call the kavanah. It's about the intention. My heart's in it. If I was short with you throughout the course of the year, please, it was not you, it was me. I am sorry. I am human. I am fallible. I make mistakes. Please don't judge me. Do you and ever I receive follow-up on that? Mm -hmm. Do you ever receive, receive people come up and say, you know, I, I thank you for that or want even more detail or say, you know what, I do want to tell you there was a time when you were short with me. Has that ever led to other extracurricular? No, no. I mean, I mean, the only time that it's really... Because nobody, look, I mean, you know, somebody may say, you know, thank you very much for your words, because I think that it, the words have meaning and, and it can resonate and maybe propel somebody else to say, you know what, maybe I was short with my daughter, my son, my whatever, right? Got to model it, right? But, uh, you know, uh, so there was also an instance, I, I gave a sermon years ago when I was in rabbinical school about repentance and about actually being angry uh, and being angry with God. And uh, after the service on Yom Kippur, I had a woman come up to me after and say, you know, Rabbi, um, that was not okay. It's not okay to be angry at God. And I said, ma'am, you know, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts. You know, you come here with open heart and to pour out our supplications to God. It's not about being angry. It's about being together. And I said, well, you said it right there. It's about being together, right? You don't know who comes into a community. You don't know that the person praying next to you may be a Holocaust survivor that is very challenged with the identity of God, right? You don't know the, 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 the man next to you may have lost his wife or lost his daughter or lost a child. You don't know what people bring. 
And, and the message of the sermon was, it is okay to be angry at God, especially on the most solemn of holidays of Yom Kippur. It is okay to be angry at God because you're here, because you're present, because you're amidst community, right? And I think, I think as, I, as I think about it, um, and this may, be, this may be blasphemous, and I, I, you know, this is just, again, my own commentary, that if we're told to seek repentance from those to whom we've harmed in the past, those uh, to seek forgiveness from God, and to seek forgiveness from ourselves, why is it unfathomable that I can't think that God also has the responsibility to ask for my forgiveness? Yeah, I would say that's pretty blasphemous. But why not? If I'm in, <laughs> but no, no, hear me out here. If we're in relationship with God, that says that it is a partnership, that we work in tandem together. Well, if I'm saying to my fellow brethren, my, 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 you know, my, those people knowingly or unknowingly that I've harmed in the past, and I say, look, Matt, I forgive me for whatever mis misstep or mis misaction. And I say, God, please forgive me. I don't think that there's any harm saying, and God, you know what? I forgive you. So, so wait, so, so, so you believe in an imperfect God then? Because the only reason why you have to seek forgiveness from anyone else is because we're all imperfect and we hurt each other. That gets tricky with putting your faith in a divine being that is imperfect yes, and can hurt yes, you. And I do recognize, I do recognize the statement in and of itself, as you just said, right? If God is the all-knowing, the all-omniscient, the perfect entity, well, there would be no need. There'd be no need for God to say, you know, Matt, uh, whatever I may have done or not done towards you, maybe I heard your prayer, maybe I didn't hear your prayer. Um, but I think I think that if we're in relationship, that I think that there's there's something there that says we're we're in it together. I know, and but I you're think, but you're, you're, you realize you're presenting two different arguments. You're kind of speaking I, I'm out. Well aware. I'm okay, aware. okay, because because how do you how do you be subservient and obey and be humble yourself before a God that is imperfect. Now we're back into the pagan days, uh, I would think, of Roman gods that can be ha have problems with stuff. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I could get on board with, with that one. I understand the relational part and feeling that a partnership, I mean, we are in partnership, but God is leading this train. Um, we, we are from dust and dust we shall return. I mean, that's sure. the beginning of Ash Wednesday. Ash sure. Wednesday is the cross. The reason why we put the ashes on the on the head is a sign of humility. We come from dust and to dust we shall return. And so therefore, God, you're in charge. I surrender to you. I'm just a mortal being. I'm going to die and I'm going to turn to dust. Um, but through you, there's eternal life, but I need to surrender my life to you. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 um, but I, I do think there's an avenue of feeling. I don't think we need to guard our mouths around God. If we're going to be in relationship with him, it is perfectly okay that during this time of repentance that you unearth some stuff where you're really angry at God and you can't stomach that and push that down. That could be, that's unhealthy in any relationship and God can take it for you to be able to be honest and let it rip. Job certainly did. The psalmist, they, they, they certainly did. They were open and honest with why God, why, who are you and why are you doing this? And the most important part is to keep in relationship, to have that, that honesty. So it, it teaches us as a model for us to always that communication, whether it's with our spouse, whether it's with friends, um, to, to, uh, when we hurt one another, it takes courage. That's one thing we haven't talked about yet, the courage to call someone up 
or to knock on the door and say, I am so sorry. And then if you're on the other end of that, to really receive it and not be like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. No, this person is having a moment of unleashing a burden that's on their heart and on their mind. And they, they are blocked spiritually until they unearth that. Now you could say, well, listen, a little bit too, too, too little, too late, goodbye and close the door and do that. That, 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 that can happen. But you know, you at least you, you tried, right? And so if they said, I think it's a nice oh, step but up. But it, 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 even go, you know, it goes back to that same conversation, right? This woman who says it's not okay on Yom Kippur to be angry at God, right? The main message is you just said too, it's about relationship. It's about saying things unfiltered to God being unafraid in some way, but I think above and beyond it, right, there, there, there is this understanding. If I'm angry at God and I'm not attending of a service of a communal uh, way, like on Yom Kippur, and I just happen to be at home and I'm not doing anything, well, I'm not in relationship, I'm not in community, I'm not really fully present. So it allows your anger to stew. Whereas the angry one who comes to synagogue prays with their community is still present. They're there. They may not be comfortable or it may, you know, be, be uncomfortable in some way. And I think that that also lends in itself to the whole fasting, right? As we, as we know, Isaiah says, this is the fast to which God uh, requires of you. Well, what does that mean? Is it a cessation of food? which we all know when we get the hunger pangs, it makes us actually really retreat into ourselves and makes our mind think and really be more focused. Is it about the treatment? Is it about what we are and what we want, we, we wish to be? I mean, I think that there's a lot, there's a lot wrapped into it. There's a lot there. And I think the one thing we can leave you all with is that if you're thinking about during this time, whether it's uh, later, you know, if it's leading up to Yom Kippur, if right now as a Christian, that if you haven't uh, taken on a fast, whatever it may be, it doesn't have to be food. Think of something that could either, either be a distraction or something that gives you a lot of comfort. Uh, you know, for Christians, a lot of Christians give up alcohol uh, because it's an escapist type thing that kind of helps us take the edge off. And sometimes a little bit more if we get, if we hit the sauce harder removes that distraction removes that escapist thing that allows you to just sit in it so whether you're just what are you trying to escape or take the edge off well you got to sit in it and in mind that god is the only one who can bring you comfort and really work through that stuff um and it's a luxury it's a luxury you know it's an expensive item not everyone in the world can you know has the <laughs> the, the way to be able to drink booze so just give it up so that's one thing we live up to you what, what would you fast from and what, what where are you willing to fast from and jump on our facebook page um a priest and a rabbi podcast and let us know uh, what you have fasted from and what you're looking forward to fast from this year. Uh, this is also a podcast. You can always just look at all of our different episodes. If you just Google a priest and a rabbi and you'll see it will pop up on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, whatever you may use and give us a subscription. We love to be able to engage with you. you know, leave comments, tell us what other episodes you'd like to hear about, other guests you'd like to have on. Uh, this is a special one today where it was just, we felt like we had enough material ourselves <laughs> to, to talk. So it's been a while since it's just been you and I, Rabbi. Usually we get someone a lot smarter than us on here. Um, so that was good. So we're going to keep this going. And I, th I think that, you know, we brought up this thing of the afterlife. We'll have some future episodes of that. 
Um, but um, all right. So if, if all of you, if you're in town as well, if you're, if you're looking for a place to experience your Lent, I'll tell you over at St. Mary's, we do have a whole Lenten series that's happening, especially on Wednesdays. So on Wednesday nights, uh, we do have a Lenten program about the six streams of spiritual formation that happens virtually every night at 630. You can find that on our website, stmarys-stewart.org. We have a music series in the church from 12 to 1230. Come in and allow the music just to wash over you, find some peace with God. And we also have a sermon series that's following Sermon on the Mount that's every Saturday and Sunday. Rabbi, as we say goodbye, what else do you got going on over at the temple that we can come party with you? Yeah, so, I mean, tonight we've got, we got a beach Shabbat at Jensen Beach at five o'clock. Um, uh, we have Purim's coming in next Thursday night, so we're doing a, a, a Megillah reading on Friday night, next Friday night, next Saturday. We have a whole host of learning opportunities with a variety of colleagues and uh, friends in uh, multiple different synagogues and communities. Uh, and then on the Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to be doing a the Great Forum Hamantashen Bake Off here at Temple, and uh, you know, really trying to celebrate you know the holiday uh, and remind ourselves that um, you know we do have a place in the world and the need to uh, keep it going and to keep it aware. All right, everyone, we're going to catch you next week here on a Priest and a Rabbi every Friday at 9 a.m. on 1450 a.m. or on your podcast. We love you. God bless you, and fast well. Mm-hmm.